This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. It's a party. It's the return of the classic Friday edition. Yes, this is still the Blaze Radio Network. I am still, though ever changing, your loyal host, Jay Severin, Excelsior. Welcome back. Welcome back. How are you? I I do care. It's not merely a ceremonial sop. I hope you are well. I trust you are doing well. Even better than last we were together, uh, what, 22 hours ago. I am Jay Severin. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. It is, to the extent we wish it to be, the Friday edition. Here at the Blaze, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Just finishing listening to uh, Michael Pelka. I know I listened earlier. Was I wrong, or did the hosts switch in some way? You have to forgive me. Is that right? Am I right? Skip, thank you. I thought I was. I mean, Mike was on earlier, right? Because I thought I. I mean, I'm here. I got 19 different things and screens going on and everything. And I'm listening, you know, I'm I'm listening and I'm listening to Mike and I'm listening to Mike. And then at some point, my brain tells me the voice has changed. I didn't actually know it. I just sort of somehow recognized it. Okay. Well, in any case, I'm glad I'm here and I hope my voice is resonating with you. Uh, I am Jay Severin, one 888 All tweets read, some read back. All considered duly, all appreciated. At J-A-Y underscore, just the little doohickey. At J-A-Y underscore, S-E-V-E-R-I-N. What is the Friday edition? The exigency of politics in the last year and a half has virtually precluded our option of doing a classic Friday edition. And the classic Friday edition is essentially non-political. Now, nothing is non-political. You know, I, I couldn't, wouldn't be in this business if I didn't see everything as political, but Some days things are political with an uppercase P, which has been the case every day for the last year and a half, has it not? And some days things are political with a 
and a lowercase p. Lowercase p would be those times when politics reverts to an essentially cultural message. That would be like the story when Miley Cyrus went on stage at the whatever it was and simulated sex with several men on network television, you know, eight o'clock at night Eastern time. And I was horrified because I was watching with my family and I looked at the screen and I was afraid to look around the room. You know, I was afraid. I was afraid to look sideways. I, I said, oh, please, please, God, let them be doing something else. Maybe they're not noticing. Of course, they were riveted to the screen with their eyes bugging out. And and I, I turned to my oldest daughter just to real check. And, and I had hoped to look away real quick. And she caught my my glance and said to me as if she were the parent as if she were comforting me she looked at me and said it's twerking dada it's twerking dada they call it twerking and i was only left to kind of mumble helplessly oh okay honey thank you hey popcorn anyone Late night walk with the doggies. Fireworks. I didn't have any fireworks, but I could always have, like, fired all my guns. I could, like, set things aflame and floated them down the river and, you know, shot at them. I don't think that would have entertained them much. Anyway, we're free, well, as ever, to say what we want. This is the day when I exercise the license you have every day which is when you call one 3393 no one on this show asks you what you want to talk about. It's not because we don't care. It's because you have the license to talk about anything you wish. No one, as on other shows, do they screen you to make sure that you are cogent because so much of this audience is way above average in IQ that we don't need to determine whether or not you're bright in overwhelming circumstances with a couple of exceptions. We got at least one yesterday. Uh, You are so far above average that it doesn't, we don't bother to do that. Also, we don't ask you what you want to talk about. And I am one of the, frankly, um, a few national hosts that doesn't know in advance I mean, I don't have a line up here that says Frank from New Jersey wants to talk about, you know, you know, this. I don't want to know because this is a conversation. And when we're together, conversation happens spontaneously. And I don't want to I don't want to mitigate that spontaneity. I want it's a conversation. There's no reason I should get to know in advance what your point is. Maybe you want to trick me, make me look bad. Well, Bully, good for you. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Whatever your motive, here's your chance. And thus we begin. On a point of personal privilege, a triple P, a P cubed. Newspaper headlines today read quote Bill Clinton stumps for wife in New Jersey. Now, I must admit I did a double take when I first saw this. I, I, I thought perhaps I had misread it. And I realized after reading it again a couple times, I realized 
how life and journalism, journalism, is strange. I realized the omission of a single word from that headline. The, the preposition for omitted from that headline would have changed entirely its meaning, made it a truly groundbreaking, earth-shattering major media event and a headline story. But as it turns out, it reads, including the preposition for. So it reads, Bill Clinton stumps for wife in New Jersey. It still leaves open, it seems to me, reasonably. So it still leaves open the question, whose wife? A point of personal privilege. This courtesy of the BBC. I can't answer the underlying question, uh, which you will have when you hear this, which is, why are they telling us this? Why are they telling us this? And what is the truth? How much, if any, of what they're telling us is the truth? And why are they telling us this? However much of it, if any, is the truth. Here is the story. The Chinese military, pardon me, the Chinese government has announced the biggest plan for the Chinese military in 100 years. The Chinese military is the most powerful in the world, in case you had some doubts about us still being that. They have a 2 million totally professional, no rotations, no weekend warriors. They have two million men, all in their prime, men, all in their prime, two million standing army with about 25 million reservists. The Chinese announced today, I say, this is not what they're going to do. This is what they announced they're going to do. The Chinese announced uh, late last night, our time, that they are totally revising, revolutionizing, one might say, the Chinese military. What they're going to do is reduce their standing army, and it might be of depressive interest to us that the number of soldiers they're going to cut is pretty much more soldiers than we have, period. The number of soldiers by which the Chinese are going to reduce their standing armed forces is pretty much equal to the entirety of the United States military. Well, they're going to reduce their standing army by that size, nearly half a million men out of two million. So that's one out of four soldiers are going to be fired in China. And what they're going to do is reinvest their focus and time in making it unnecessary for those remaining one and three quarter million standing troops ever to fight because they're going to reconcentrate their 
efforts, focus, science, and money into, quote, cyber warfare, end quote, which will make it impossible for anyone to think of approaching them, invading them, or besting them in a military conflict. They are, in short, is China, going to use money we don't dream of to acquire a military infrastructure which is so state-of-the-art that not even we, with spying and everything else, not only will we not have it, not only will we not have the same thing, we won't even know half of what they have. Meanwhile, today's page one, New York Times, Obama orders all bathrooms open to all. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. This is the Jay Severin Show. When we were growing up, the Chinese made, we thought, uh, I'm trying to think of some, uh, like a particular dish. Oh, I know, chop suey. Uh, Americans thought the Chinese made chop suey. In every town, uh, then and now, when I was a child and now, there is no town in America that doesn't have a Chinese restaurant. And there is no Chinese restaurant that does not serve chop suey. There is no such thing as chop suey. Chop suey is, there aren't even the words chop suey do not even translate into Chinese. These, this was an entirely made up dish by returning GIs. Uh, Americans made this up and we serve it and it's, it's darned good, whatever it is. Uh, I was never that fond of cats anyway. So I'm not bothered by it, but China used to make chop suey, cheap cameras, and flip-flops. Now they make history. China is using money that only we used to have to build their military into the unrivaled, unquestioned number one military power in the world. Now, if you say, you know what, we're not going to have a nuclear, the next war is a nuclear war, so why should I worry? Like, what? why should this concern me? Uh, and if you're a Democrat, uh, that didn't occur to you because you don't think. But if you're a thoughtful Democrat, I know there are, I know both of them here in the United States. I know both thoughtful Democrats. Thoughtful Democrats would say, well, gee, what does this mean? Okay, having thought about it, what it means is we're not going to have nuclear war, and if we do, it doesn't matter. We'll all be dead, so it doesn't matter. They're not going to invade the beaches of Cape Cod, so it doesn't really matter. They're not going to land uh, in La Jolla, so it doesn't really matter. Well, I don't know a lot about foreign policy. 
I'm happy to say that I'll die happy having claimed to know a great deal about foreign affairs. But I don't know a lot about foreign policy. But I'll tell you this. I do know that about 80% of world commerce goes through the South China Sea on these big cargo ships. And the reason that China has literally built these islands, dredged sand from the ocean, and built islands, you know this, right? The Chinese now own, what is it, half a dozen or more islands which five years ago did not exist. They have created islands out of nothing at enormous, enormous expense, but they did it. And now they are airfields for their aircraft, which are superior to ours. There are reports, national reports right now, that we can't keep our aircraft in the air. Even the aircraft we need to fight what we're fighting right now, which is ISIS. We are, there was a story today on Fox, which is also watched in the Kremlin and in Beijing. The Red Army watches Fox and CNN. And there were stories, (coughs) pardon me, And this was the second story I've seen in two or three weeks, that we can't keep our planes in the air. There's a major marine marine aviation wing in South Carolina that has something like nine out of 15 fighters down. They don't have parts. The budget's been cut. We don't have, we have enough money for ACORN. We had enough money for welfare and for clean needles, but we don't have enough money for the parts for our aircraft. So the we know this, the enemy knows this. We can't keep our planes in the air. We can't keep our ships at sea. We're having trouble recruiting. No one wants to touch a draft, though I've been saying for 10 years, and, and Guru Jay continues as doctrine to insist in prediction, there will be a draft. The tick-tock on that draft is getting shorter every day. You will live to see a draft again in the United States. We could debate whether it's a good or bad thing, but you will live to see it. It won't do that much good, but it will be a patchwork like everything else. I saw a story today of a Marine fighter uh, that uh, plane that could not get in the air, and what we had to do was go out to a museum. I think it was in uh, Colorado. But we had to go find, you know how sometimes you go by airports or museums and there will be an F-15 or something up there, an actual plane, not a model, but an actual retired plane sitting there, elevated. It's an awesome thing to see. Well, we had to go to that plane and get a part, the the the, the forward uh, strut for the uh you know, they, they've got three landing gear, right, on the fighters, two amidships and, and one up forward. The one up forward is sort of how you drive the plane when it's on the ground. It's how you take off, it's how you land, it's how you steer when the plane is on the ground. And there is a, like a cotter pin, there's a part that needs to go in a joint in order for that to work so that you could steer the plane. We have planes that don't have that and therefore cannot take off or land. And we don't have the parts. So we had to travel. This Marine had to travel 
from, I think it was South Carolina, out to Colorado. doesn't matter what the locations are, and I don't swear by them. I don't know what the locations were. I think that's what they were. And take the pin, the joint, whatever it is, out of this aircraft which had been donated to a museum, which was sitting out there, you know, in front of the library or whatever it was. He had to go take the part out of the plane that's been sitting on the lawn for 20 years and, you know, bathe it in Rust-Oleum and bring it back and slap it in to an active duty aircraft in order to get it off the ground. On the same day, the Chinese are reducing their army by the size of the entire army we have and saying they will be equipped within a few years with a cyber army unbeatable. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. And partners on the Blaze Radio Network, one 3393 The classic of the, well, return of the classic of the Friday edition, although it doesn't necessarily mean it's all laughs, cheap laughs all the time. Don't worry, we'll get there. Uh, Ronald Reagan, and, and you may not have heard this before because the people who write history books and who teach history to your children and grandchildren first worked at the New York Times or at the San Francisco Chronicle or whatever. So before history gets to the masses, it is first absorbed, quote-unquote, by left-wing intellectuals. So this may not be a popular rendering of history. This just happens to be a truthful rendering of history. While the Chinese, and that is, while Ronald Reagan spent, militarily spent, the Soviet Union into disintegration, we we exploded the Soviet Union and that threat by being willing to spend more of our GDP on military than they could. We forced them into a corner, as you know, such that If they wanted to keep up with us on military spending, offensive and defensive, i.e. Star Wars. Star Wars was not an offensive system. It was a defensive system. But what it said was, we're going to have a system. We're going to deploy a system, which means you can't hurt us with anything you own. So you had better start spending the trillions upon trillions of dollars that you need to extort from your people already impoverished in order to give your Pentagon trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars to research, develop, manufacture, and deploy systems that will defeat Star Wars. And guess what, Kamaradsky? You are 50 years to 100 years behind the curve because we're going to keep spending Star Wars is just our latest card that we're playing. Wait till you see the next card we play. 
It exploded the Soviet Union because they knew that if they tried to keep up with us, that if the Soviet Union tried to maintain its erstwhile ambition to be uh, the number one or a number one or a close number one military power, they would have a revolution on their hands. They would take people out of the Kremlin and hang them from lampposts because there would be no food. There is already no toilet paper and no electricity and no you know, other essentials of life. And the worst thing is now they get television. They're just now seeing reruns of Dallas. And they say, all these people ski, they, they, have, they can poop ski, indoor ski, even when it's cold ski. They have a plumbing ski. They have, they have bum wad ski. We don't. All right. Next time. It's going to be the Chinese spending us into destitution. Meanwhile, as we happily roll along, New York Times, page one story. In the midst of all of this, what's Obama's number one priority? Transgender bathrooms. A mandate from the White House, as Guru Jay say here last week. This isn't just North Carolina. This is the country. And today it became the country when the White House issued a mandate ordering all public schools, all public schools, grade schools, middle schools, high schools, all public schools and and all government facilities, you know, it goes without saying, and, and thousands of other institutions to lengthy dimension that there is no longer such a thing as a men's room or a ladies room. All bathrooms must be transgender or you must provide a special one. By the way, this includes not only bathrooms in which your 3-year-old or 10-year-old or 15-year-old or 23-year-old child, granddaughter, wife, cousin has to go with a man in a dress with a beard. This also includes... Female dorms at colleges, if they receive any federal money, uh, asked to risk. Uh, gender dorms. It includes locker rooms. It includes showers. Uh, I coach a teenage girls lacrosse team. And if I weren't a healthy man... I'd certainly be keenly looking forward to hitting the showers at away games with my team. You know what I mean? Now, my daughter, and for all meaningful purposes, your daughter or granddaughter is on that team. But my daughter is on that team, and so are her best friends who I have known since they were four or five years old, who have grown up coming and going in my home, sleepovers, lunches, running around on the lawn with the doggies. This is my family. This is my community. And now I'm allowed to go to the away games. This is not a question. This is a declaration. I'm now allowed to go to the away games 
and walk into the locker room, walk into the showers, take a shower with my high school girls lacrosse team, and no one can touch me. No one can touch me. And the President of the United States will have made that possible, and he will be my number one defender. Now, it gives me a sick, I'm throwing up in my own mouth to even say what I've just said as a hypothetical. But to think that there are people out there, and there are, who are taking it seriously. And now literally a male coach can and will, will, will be caught in a girl's locker room and showers and say, well, I was presenting. There's no paperwork involved, you know. You just need to say, I was feeling female that day. I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. And I pity any boy who isn't me today. Thus sang Maria in West Side Story. Thus is your fear and mine as of right now. When your daughter, granddaughter, niece, wife, girlfriend, anybody goes into a restroom, a guy in a dress in a beard is there. And you know will be there. I, I, I don't need to, but I just mentioned this past weekend in Chicago, Obama's beloved fiefdom, a little girl, I think she was five, was choked to unconsciousness being molested by a man. You know where this happened? In the girl's bathroom of a store in a shopping mall. You see the future? By the way, if you are untroubled by that, and if you think that unisex bathrooms are a good idea, and your idea of civil rights, then I'm going to ask you, Again, not as an advocate of one candidate, but as an honest broker. I asked yesterday, if you're the Constitution and you're walking home from school and Hillary Clinton jumps out of the bushes and Donald Trump jumps out of the bushes, who do you run from first? Who frightens you more? If you wear the uniform of this country and you can't get your planes in the air because there are no parts, and you've got one candidate who all her life has despised the military and has worked with her husband to slash military pay, military benefits, military budgets, respect for the military. And on the other hand, you have a guy who is admittedly a bit of a nut. Yeah, admittedly a bit of a nut who has said he loves and has always said and has always demonstrated he loves the military and says the rebuilding of our military is among his top priorities. For whom would you be inclined to uh, 
to make the next commander in chief. I, I just these these things are real life and worth mentioning, but as of today, the White House number one priority is gotta make sure that Whippy Wang is wonderful and wetty to use the girl's womb uh, whenever he wants. So if your little girl or granddaughter or cousin, niece, uh, wife, girlfriend is offended when Whippy Wang is wetty in the girl's womb, uh, all angry complaints ought be directed at the White House USA. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. on the Blaze Radio Network. And my beloved partners, uh, look, postscript, thank the gods there are, and I believe always will be, people of righteousness and true constitutional virtue. To me, that's righteousness. I'm not a religious person. I'm a faithful person, but not a religious one. But I do have fealty to one thing unquestionably and unquestioningly, and that is the Constitution of the United States, which means we all get to believe or not believe what we want. And for that, I will die. That I'm prepared to die for, for your beliefs and your right to believe them. So never mind what I believe or don't. And by the way, if you care, I sit down and open a vein here every afternoon for a couple of hours. So that's why radio is the intimate medium, and that's why people who read teleprompters on television are not believed by their audiences to be people they really know. And that's why people we listen to, we, I, not you, I listen to the radio 20 hours a day. You know, I have people I feel I know because I listen to them on the radio. And you know what? You do. You do know them because we don't have scripts. We sit down and open a vein. You know us and you like us or you don't. But thank the gods. I was all of that was to explain my usage of the word of the term. Thank the gods. There are people of righteousness and true constitutional virtue. And right now, as an example, there are governors, especially of North Carolina and of Texas, who are fighting back very loudly, publicly, and fearlessly against Obama and Obamunism by saying, this is wrong. You telling me that my little girl has to be in a restroom with a man with a beard ogling her, you, you know, this is wrong. And normal people know it's wrong. The Constitution requires that we accommodate unusual folks in that we do not persecute them for what they do behind closed doors. Behind closed doors. What you don't do is tell me 
I have to open those doors to every perv in the neighborhood. Yeah, pervs. You know what a perv is? A pervert. You know what a pervert is? Someone who doesn't make them inherently bad, but a pervert is one who perverts, who misdirects and practices a misdirection, misinterpretation, in many cases, a mentally significant misinterpretation of gender roles or citizen roles or cinnamon rolls. I don't know. It's just people who do weird things. And you know what? They get to do weird things behind closed doors and even in public so far, insofar as they do not harm us. If your hobby is swinging your arm, then you know what? The United States of America is the place for you. You get to walk around swinging your arm. But you know where you don't get to swing your arm? In circumstances, public circumstances, in which your fist, the end of your arm, may come in contact with someone else's physical person. I have the right to swing my arm, but I do not have the right. My hobby is not protected to the point that I'm allowed to swing my arm and make contact with the end of your nose. And that's what we're talking about here. You want to grow a beard and wear a dress? Grow a beard and wear a dress. You want to pretend that you're peeing in a friendly bathroom? Pretend all you like. You go in that bathroom and even look at my daughter, and I will break your neck. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. It is, isn't it? It is the return of the classic Friday edition. All right, that was some people's uh, opinion of it. Excelsior! Welcome back, partners and friends, and truly you are. I am Jay Severin. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. You know when someday you don't have a job that you love, and when you don't, or, or, or maybe you don't have a person you love, but when something happens and you no longer have something that you loved and part of your reflective process is to say, gee, as I look back on it, I, I feel really stupid about every moment I didn't appreciate it. You know how that works? And you do, you think that you sit there and you say, wow, you know, uh, all those days when I was with Gladys or all those days that I had that job 
that maybe I didn't think I liked so much, but now I would love to have back. And I just want you to know that, I mean, and and why do you care? But I, I think there's a reason for you to care. I think in radio, the enthusiasm and emotional investment of the host shows because it's all we have. All we have is our soul. You know, all we have is our essential selves to share with you. And we know that we'll not be liked by some, and we hope liked by a few more than we are disliked by. But I want you to know that every day I have had this job, and every day I have this job, and every day I shall have this job, I am excited as an eight-year-old. Okay, okay. This is a bit of an exaggeration, but you know how an eight-year-old, a six-year-old feels the night before Christmas? That gives you some idea. For you grown-ups out there, if you have a date, a first time has to be a first time date. I'm talking to guys now, okay? First time date. And you bring someone home. We can go on forever and I'll, if your wife or girlfriend is hearing this and asks you about it, I'm creating a big problem for you because you'll have to answer to this and I'm sorry. But as fellow fellows, we know this, the zenith of excitement is the moment of the first kiss, the first time with someone you desire. There are other things in life. I won't say they're more important. I would say they stand alongside certain moments in life. And one of those moments in life is the excitement of the first kiss, the first time with a woman you desire. And is that greater or lesser than a six-year-old a day before Christmas? I don't know, but I'd say it's on the same human plane. And I'm on that plane every day because I get to do this. And it turns out to be what I always wanted to do. And it turns out to be, I think, what I was always supposed to do. But that's all up to you. I just wanted, this is really an homage to you, if anything, and to this job. I love it. Thank you. one 3393 one Bob from Nevada, what the ding-dong heck is on your mind? Well, the uh, the uh, ding-dong, you, you, you don't mean that in a, in a, uh, like a, a physical part of my body way, do you? I, I, I do not, Bob. <laughs> I, I leave that open okay. to your liberal interpretation. <laughs> my progressive interpretation of it. Of the, uh, you know, of the, the New York Times. Yes. You talked about the New York Times and the story that uh, – the government, Big Brother, Obama, 
is going to uh, order all schools to make accommodations for uh, people who think that, who, who do not believe what sex they are, that that is the sex that they really are. <laughs> and at the same time, the presumptive uh, Democrat nominee for president has committed, I mean, really, she has. I, I'm going to just, you don't, you don't have to agree with me. She has committed multiple felony crimes with the emails. I agree. Thing. So how is it, uh, you know, the New York Times, all the news that fits the narrative, how is it that Loretta Lynch rolls into the office in the morning and says, you know, I really got to work on this transsexual bathroom thing. And yeah. this thing with the Hillary Clinton, I don't even know what nonsense she was saying. The, uh, when, when the committee yeah. sat her in there, but it was just crap. What they need to say to her is, read the law to her. If you take any of this information away from where it's supposed to be, if you destroy it willingly, if you just do it negligently, yeah, if you do it negligently, uh, yeah, negligently, that is a crime. She did it multiple times, Miss uh, Lynch. Uh, so here's what the law says. And isn't it true that, that she did do that, that you, you that there are classified documents? I know she said, I didn't get any, I, I never sent or received any documents or marked classified. Well, Miss Lynch, they were on there. So she did commit these crimes. And how is it that you are not prosecuted? You know, you know, you're not acting on that. You're focused like a laser on transsexuals in uh, bathrooms. What is going on? <laughs> I, 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 dude, I'm with you. I just, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. I, well, I so do, I do. It's totally political. But. And I would like to say, you know, as far as the emails go, why she hasn't been prosecuted, she's got dirt on Obama. I mean, undoubtedly, she knows where Obama's bodies are buried. So, I mean, so what? <laughs> From our perspective, yeah. so what? She committed yeah. a crime, take care of it. And if he did, He's got to go down. Yeah, too. look, look I, 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 the, 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 the wrongest prediction I will have ever made is if I were to make one now saying that Hillary Clinton uh, will probably be, you know, the, the, the wheels of justice will turn in an impartial fashion as they ought and that they will sooner rather than later and most certainly before Election Day indict Hillary Clinton uh, on multiple felonies because even though I believe with every fiber of my being, Bob, that that ought to happen based on facts already known and disputed by no one, that's what (laughs) ought happen. I don't believe there is any chance that will happen. Anybody who's waiting to win... Anybody who's waiting for us or Bernie Sanders, uh, by indirection, to win what's called the FBI primary, we're not going to win the FBI primary. No, Snowball has a better chance uh, in hell right here on my patio in Las Vegas uh, than... uh, Even in heck. So so back to my my original thing where my imaginary hearing where I call in a Loretta Lynch... And when Loretta Lynch, what's she going to say? Yeah, these are documents. They're not supposed to be. Uh, they're supposed to be under government protection at all times. She didn't do it. You're not prosecuting her. Why shouldn't we impeach you now? What is your purpose? Why are you? You know yeah, why are you? You know what the other deal of this is? Paycheck, you're earning a pension, and why you're not doing your job? Yeah, you know what the other chapter of this is? The reason what? the Clintons are, and I hear this from inside. 
So I can't tell you it's true. I can only tell you that people much smarter and better connected than I believe it's true. And here it is. They believe that while we're all focused on the general question, the Clintons and that Bill Clinton, I am told, is quarterbacking all of this behind the scenes and doing it brilliantly. And there he is quarterbacking. It's like a soccer team in the British Premier Soccer League. You know, they don't always need to win games. It's enough if they if they draw. And so Clinton, Bill Clinton is angling, litigating here in behalf of Hillary Clinton so that not so much she has an outright win because she doesn't need an outright win. She needs a draw. And by a draw, and Bob, thank you so much for the call. What I mean is this in closing. The Clintons believe, and there are very, very good lawyers, accomplished lawyers, constitutional lawyers, uh, to whom I have access, who believe that Hillary Clinton's legal status, i.e., the ability to prosecute her, is completely different now. Right now, she's a private citizen. Think about it. Right now, Hillary Clinton's status is private citizen. However public she is, she's a private citizen, technically. If she becomes president of the United States, I am told, Bill Clinton is receiving advice that says, you will be able to make a motion that you cannot prosecute a president of the United States for this body of uh, supposed criminality. So the finish line for all of us is naively, did she do it or not? The finish line, as usual for the Clintons, as has been all their crooked effing criminal life, is something else. And the finish line for them is, if we can win the presidency, we can make this too go away. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And you are the best and brightest and thus enable me to talk about things that otherwise I would never have liberty to do. Here is one. Fake book. Now, firstly, I must tell you that the moniker, very clever, uh, is not mine. That belongs to Rush. Rush first called Facebook fake book. Well, with his permission, I'm going to use it. Fake book. Okay? Now, what comes after the acknowledgement to Rush is the claim. Do you know about fake book? Facebook? Did you know that 70% of people who use fake book, how many people is that? Do you use fake book? Can you name me anybody you know 
who doesn't. I think the only people I know who don't use Facebook are my immediate family members. I'm on there because early on I registered and did it. Sounded like a you know swell idea. So I'm up there, but I haven't visited Facebook in five years at least. I don't go there. I have nothing to do with it. Uh, I, you know, denounce anything, having anything to do therewith, except my original profile, which, if you find it, is, was written by me, but I haven't checked it in five years, maybe eight years. I have no idea. I don't have anything to do with it. I renounce it. And, And long ago did. But 70% of people in America use Facebook. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. Withdraw. Withdraw. I'm sure more than 70% of people in America use Facebook. Uh, I misused the statistic. 70% of people who use Facebook, which I'm sure is probably 95% of America, but of the people who use Facebook, 70% of them get their news principally from fake book. You know how scary that is? I thought I knew until I found out in the last few days, and this was a story I knew about first moment, but I had to sacrifice being first for being best on political stuff. So I know other people have had this story. I apologize for that. I can't. You know, we have to make decisions every day. I had to make a decision to wait to talk about this. Fake book, which everyone uses, 70% of the users of whom rely on fake book for their news. And what we have learned, or to be precisely uh, fair, what has been alleged I mean, very seriously alleged and fairly substantiated, is that the news as reported by Facebook, including their trending section, they tell you that an algorithm tells you what's trending, duh, based on how many people are following, responding to, downloading, commenting on that story. That's what trending is, right? Not at Fakebook, uh, apparently. Apparently at Fakebook, there is a group of about 20, 20-somethings, allegedly all under 25 years old, allegedly all from private Ivy League or Ivy League-type Eastern schools, who not only decide what will be the trending stories, i.e. there is no algorithm, but they spike, that is to say censor, stories. They were told allegedly to spike stories having anything to do with specific people or issues. Want to know who some of those people are? Glenn Beck, Ted Cruz. I could go on. You get the idea, you get a trend, you want to coin a phrase, you want a trend, there's a trend. Glenn Beck, Ted Cruz, 
How about Chris Kyle, one of the biggest heroes we've ever had in America? The allegation is that fake book faked trending and decided with a bunch of young commies what the trends would be without regard to what the trends actually were. Same thing for news stories. Now, why do I care if I say I don't use fake book? I care because for those of us who have been observers and practitioners of journalism, which is like being a a fan of the Dead Sea Scrolls, we watch with horror as the influence of Jehornalism has grown exponentially and cosmically in our lives, in the life of our country. And we're, we're this once honorable craft, the only one called for and protected in, in our Constitution, journalism, has turned into Jehornalism, left-wing agendaism. And we wondered, we've talked about this, I've talked about this with you for 15 years, would it ever revert to journalism? Will there be a next generation that turns this around? and stops journalism being a left-wing tool? What about the next generation of journalism? How about the idea it would revert to informing rather than propagandizing us? Well, here now we see journalism in its next generation. Fake book. And, which means we're seeing the, the immediate future of the next evolution of journalism and as it would appear it's not encouraging because fake book would appear to be journalism Severin the Blaze Radio Network And next, my friends, on the return of the classic Friday edition, uh, we have that option because there are no major mondo political developments. Are there political developments? There are always political developments. But because a whale named Donald breaks wind in the mid-Atlantic, I'm not going to cover it, even though CNN will. So this is a day without major mondo political developments. Uh, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get to them before the hour is over, before the show is, the show is over. But next, I don't expect you to care about this much, and uh, you might groan when you first hear it, but the Olympics. The Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, that is are less than 70 days away. Now, I don't know any Americans, or certainly don't know many Americans, who don't care something about the Olympics. I will tell you, we as a family, and this is multi-generational stuff, we we never cared about the Summer Olympics that much. I mean, I, I honor them. I care about them. I care for them. I, as I say, I, I honor them. I think it's great. I think it's sacred. I love it. I really do. I really, really do. But... As a family, we are a winter sport family, even though we've always lived on the water. So it's kind of odd in a way. But although we are, you know, big, big surfers, kayakers, everything having to do with the water, uh, we, we, 
the, the summer Olympics for us have always lacked the excitement of uh, the ability to relate to it. We have always been a winter sport family. So since my grandparents and since the Olympics were first uh, broadcast on television, the thrill of victory, the agony of your feet. You know, back in those days, <clears throat> we have watched the Winter Olympics because we grew up as skiers when no one else skied. I know that you don't know that and can't remember it unless you're elderly. But there was a time uh, back when I was in uh, early, like kindergarten, grade school, when we were, you know, we, we knew three or four other families that skied every weekend and, and, and went on vacation to ski and went to cold weather locations to, to go on vacation when we could. And uh, so we're big cold weather sports people here. So we look forward to the, to the, to the Winter Olympics far, far more. And the number of hours that we view the Winter Olympics dwarf the number of hours that we watch or pay attention to the Summer Olympics. But even so, the Olympics are the Olympics, and I honor them greatly. 70 days and change, 70 days and change to go. I think it's about 75 days. And all indicators, did you know this? All indicators suggest that these Olympics very well might lack not only the majesty, which has traditionally and appropriately and really flawlessly accompanied this great event, but it appears (laughs) depressingly plausible these Olympics could be a catastrophe. I'm get here we go. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. All indicators are a flop. For openers, the biggest sports star in Brazil, and I want to stop and say here, how many major sports does Brazil have? Exactly. One, footy, soccer. Football. There's only one sport in Brazil. Soccer. It's as if the United States had zero sports, but we had basketball. So, you know, our biggest basketball star would be our biggest megastar, you know, times 10. Okay. In Brazil, any member of the Brazilian national soccer team is like a demigod, okay? A member, a prominent member of the Brazil soccer team, and again, you can't begin to imagine how big a member of the Brazilian soccer team is unless you have any experience with maybe the second most uh, frantic followers, which would be the followers of... uh, the, the two big uh, Madrid teams, uh, Real and, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Real and uh, Barsi. Barcelona. In any case, who are battling for the uh, La Liga championship this weekend, by the way. But in any case, the, 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 a member of the Brazil Olympic team is essentially God to more people than 
is God. And he came out, oh, yes, it's a he, you know, because men play sports better than women. So it is, you know, I stuck that in there. Uh, so he came out and said, because of terrorism, stay away. He's saying this to fellow Brazilians, but to the world. He intended to say this to the world. Don't come. Stay away because of the threat of terrorism. If you come to Rio, you take your life in your hands. I expect an ISIS attack. I expect terrorists to slaughter people at the Olympics. Don't come. Now, this is if Babe Ruth in his prime I don't know who to use even as an example. But one of their biggest stars in their entire universe says this. Also, and I've been hearing this courtesy BBC for many months, the beaches and waters where swimming events, boating, sailing, all nautical, all waterborne or water-related events will take place, are going to be held in the most, among the most polluted waters of the planet. A most recent report, at most recent report, these waterways were full of floating needles, as in, hypodermic needles, as in used hypodermic needles, as in deadly used hypodermic needles, and dead dogs, the decaying body of dead dogs. It's not easy for me to say. And the decaying animals of farms. The rotting corpses of dead dogs, dead farm animals, decomposing along with decomposing body parts, fingers, hands, eyeballs, human waste. Do I have your attention? Plus, or is it minus? My new, my new. Is it minus? The medical profession is officially saying this is a Woodstock for the Zika virus that people from all over the world are going to ignore the fact that that Rio is the Zika epicenter of the Zika virus. They're going to come from all over the world to Rio. One of the great hotspots of the newest and deadliest virus. They're going to contract it. They're going to go back and get pregnant and give birth to babies with pinheads. They're going to go back and spread it sexually, socially, etc. to wherever they came from, uh, making it a worldwide pandemic. This is not a fact, this is a prediction, but made by the greatest collection of doctors in the world. They say, don't go. It's a Zika virus Woodstock. It's like a convention 
for sickness. And so, many major venues, uh, you know, well, like Brazil, they're helpless. They, they don't know what to do. But I'll tell you, the major buildings, you know, the major stadia, and the major sports venues in Rio are totally unbuilt in many cases, helplessly behind schedule, and are already falling down and rotting. And they have been adjudged by Brazilian inspectors. <laughs> Brazilian inspectors. Like, wait, is, am I safe here with my family? Don't worry. A Brazilian, a Brazilian inspector has said yes. Okay, everybody, pile in. Okay, by Brazilian standards, the venues are falling down and rotting already, unsafe for spectators. There is actually speculation that some of the biggest venues, the biggest stadia, could collapse once they are filled with people. And is there more? Jay, is there less? Yes, there is less. There is more. They are beyond bankrupt, having long ago run out of monkey. Oh, wait, I think that's supposed to say money, but somehow I feel monkeys were involved. They've run out of money, needing hundreds of millions of dollars to complete. And you know what? If they were given a billion dollars, a, a b- b- billion dollars between now and 70 days from now, you know what difference they would make? None. And and yet the event is coming to a country with a stark economic depression who just impeached its thieving left-wing president. It isn't short a lesson of what happens when a banana republic tries to stage a major, the major world-class events. Chaos. So life at the Olympics at this moment with 70 days out, promises to be like life in, well, Brazil. Unhealthful, disorganized, chaos. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network, partners, uh, in the return or not to the classic Friday edition, I offer you another point of personal privilege. At no extra charge, I remind you. Uh, Under the heading of media is making us stupider. I have two examples. Uh, Here's one. A major correspondent on Fox last night said this, quote, Hillary is honing, honing, N, Nancy, N, nighttime, N. Hillary is honing in on her position on yada, yada, yada. Very nice, indeed. 
but not the English language. One of the most abused, misunderstood, misused, confused, conflated vocabulary terms in English is that between hone, H-O-N-E, and home, like I'm going home. They're not the same. Uh, One does the former, hone, in order to bring to something a sharp edge, as in, I am honing my knife. One hones one's knife. You're honing your knife to make it sharper. On the other hand, and utterly differently, is homing, like going home, like a homing device that pigeons are thought to have. Homing pigeons. Homing is the act of tuning in and closing in on something, as in, I am homing in on my target. I'm homing in on my location. Flight 24, do you read me? I'm trying. I'm trying to home in on your signal. What Flight 24 is not trying to do is hone in on your signal. Flight 24, are you honing? Yes, I'm about to crash, but my knife is very sharp because I'm taking the few seconds I have to hone in on you. I am busy honing. I am honing my survival knife, which I'll need because instead of spending the last few seconds homing in on you, I have been honing my knife. I suppose I might have spent the time homing in on you. Thus, Hillary is, quote, honing in on her speech is wrong. Uh, If you recognize the notion, she wishes to maybe sharpen the speech, but that's not what it is. Honing and homing, no extra charge. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network.